I titled this Fig Leaves and Failures and, and just some things that were that were really jumping out at me, uh, a couple sections of scripture that we're going to talk about today. Um, and I want to start in Genesis 3. Of course, Genesis 3, um, we have the fall of man. And so we know what happens there. Um, you know, Eve eats the fruit later. Uh, Adam eats the fruit with her. And they have this fall. And I, but I want to start Genesis 3, and, and we're going to start around verse 7. And we're just going to look at a few verses here and, and just talk about um, what's going on here. And uh, and so this is uh, right after they eat the fruit. Uh, 3.7 says, Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? Now I'm going to stop right there. And the reason that I'm going to stop there is... Because as of right now, Adam has create, or Adam and Eve have both sinned, but they have not received the curse of God on them yet. And when we look at and when we look at verse seven, the first thing I see here is that it says their eyes were opened and they knew that they were naked. Now we have to look at that that word naked. Um, it was not that that Adam and Eve started seeing. Uh, differently. That word naked just means that they were exposed. In other words, in that moment, all of a sudden they felt exposed. They felt open. They felt vulnerable. And they knew that they had messed up. And then we have verse 8 is when they hide themselves. And so we have this, this place where their eyes are opened and they know that they've been exposed. In other words, there's something that they want to cover. There's something that they want to hide that they've done. Of course, it's it's them going against God's will for them, right? And so they go and they hide themselves. Now, when God starts calling for them in in verse nine, right? They've already they've already made the coverings for their body, and they're hiding among the trees. And we see there, God calls for them now. How many of us know that God knows exactly where Adam and Eve are? But God wants them to come forward to him. And when Adam responds here in verse 10, this is so powerful. Because he said, so he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. I want to just stop right here in verse 10. And we're going to talk about verse 10 um, for a little bit here. Because in verse 10, we see something that's introduced into human nature before the curse. And what we have here is that we have fear, we have shame, and we have condemnation, we have exposure, we have all of this stuff introduced into human nature prior to the curse why am i why do i keep saying prior to the curse because 
it's important to understand that this is something that was introduced into our flesh that will remain in our flesh forever um, until until we are translated into our glorified bodies. This is something that will stay and try to present itself within us. It's something that's compatible. It's something that's overcomable. It's something that we, we can um, rise above by the power of Jesus. But it's something that will always be there. It's prior to the curse and it's introduced into the flesh. And it says, I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And then God asks a very interesting question. He says, who told you that you were naked? You see, Adam started to reason in his mind. He started to feel this exposure. And he, he began to feel shame, right? It was Adam's fallen flesh already beginning to speak into him that he was naked. It was, it was Adam saying, hide. It was, it was Adam's voice was starting to overpower God's voice. All of a sudden, not only was Adam in an image other than he was created. In other words, his flesh, his flesh was fallen at this point. He was no longer in the image and glory of God. And at the same time, while his eyes were open to see shame and guilt and condemnation, his eyes were blinded to see God, how he really was, as a loving father. All right, I'm going to I'm going to come back to fig leaves, okay? I'm going to come back to fig leaves here. It was that guilt and that shame that led to him covering up that feeling of exposure. And I come to Mark 11, and I'm going to flip over. We're going to read a verse or two here, Mark 11. And we have Jesus, and of course he's nearing the end of his life here on, on earth. Um, he's, he's just made the triumphant entry uh, into Jerusalem. And Mark 11, verse 13, okay? Actually, we'll start in 12. And it says, Now the next day, when they had come out from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing from afar a fig tree... Having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. In response, Jesus said to it, Let no one eat fruit from you ever again. Okay, so there's a couple things here that we have to unpack. And I know I'm not the first one to see this. Uh, it was shown to me by somebody, but this is really just, it's so um, awesome because we really have to pay attention to the language as we read this. And he said, so Jesus saw this fig tree far off and it had leaves. So he went to see if it might have some fruit on it. Okay. Well now all that tracks and that should all make pretty good sense to us. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves. Why? Because it was not the season for figs. Now Jesus is 33 years old at this point in time he would know what time of year you would find figs on a tree. So why was he at a tree looking for fruit, knowing that it wasn't the time of year for fruit to be there? I'm going to put this out there because there's a lot of language here that's happening. We have to understand that, that Jesus 
is getting ready to make it so that no guilt, shame, and condemnation ever has to um, be a place where we run and try to hide from God. That's what that's what's about to be opened up through the finished work of the cross, through through his death, his burial, his resurrection. There's about to be a, a new way of doing things where there's no reason to fear God in that same way, in that in that I've gotta I've gotta cover up what I've done. No, because Jesus would be the covering once and for all for us. It said he came, he found nothing for it was not the season for figs. And in response, Jesus said to it, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And his disciples heard it. Now, I just want to put out there, why why would Jesus here curse this fig tree that it would never again produce fruit? Uh, I want to put this out here for you guys, and I hope this is going to track with you. It's because of this. It's because the leaves of a fig tree represented the covering and the shame and the guilt that had ruled mankind since Adam's fall up until this point. There was a fruitage that came. There was a fruitage that came from the covering of leaves. There was a fruitage that that held bondage over people for the entire existence of human nature of human nature of mankind from the time of Adam till the time of Christ. And it was this guilt and this shame, this need to cover from God, this need to run, to hide, to, to the feeling of nakedness before him. Why? Because up till Christ, it was man's job to cover his own sins. When we look at the, the entire Jewish system of things, the, the entire, uh, you know, the entire Jewish religious system, what, what was it set up to do? That on the Day of Atonement, you would present a sacrifice. That sacrifice would cover you from 365 days. The day after the Day of Atonement, you would begin looking for the next perfect sacrifice to cover yourselves on the next Day of Atonement. And it was a cycle that would follow you every year. And it was a spilling of blood of the perfect sacrifice every year that would cover your sins but would never take it away. It would always cover your sins but would never take it away. And it was your job, it was your toil, it was your striving that would have to do it. So what does Paul tell us, right? The law was a foreshadow to show what? The need for Christ. The law showed that we couldn't do it on our own. It showed that we were under a curse. That's why when we see this here, Jesus is doing something so prophetic here, so profound here. When he curses this fig tree and says, you will never again produce fruit. Why? Because all of a sudden, human nature is no longer what we live by, but it's the nature of Christ that we live by. Nothing beneficial, no good fruit was ever produced by those fig leaves, by that need to cover Jesus was about to usher in a new way to handle sin that would forever disarm sin. No longer that human nature, but it would be the Christ nature. The nature of Christ, the mind of Christ that we're called to have according to Philippians 2. That mind of Christ that should be in us. That would forever change the way we would view it, our sins. 
Why? Because he made a new and better way to handle it. Because his blood and by his grace, we would be forever free from the bondage of sin. It's not that we lack the ability to sin. It's that God the Father lacks the interest in counting them against us. In fact, we were just doing Bible study um, last uh, Thursday evening, and we were looking at Hebrews 10. And uh, and I love Hebrews 10 because it's such a freeing um, section of verse. Uh, you know, as we go through there and Hebrews ten seventeen, their sins are lawless deeds. I'll remember no more and where there's a remission of sins. There's no longer an offering for sin, right? Therefore, we have boldness to enter the Holy of Holies by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh and a high priest that personally put his blood on the altar for you and I in on our hearts, on our guilty consciences to remove it. And we were talking about this. It's not that we lack the ability to sin. It's that he lacks the interest to count it. And when we get down to, uh, let's see here, uh, 10 verse 26, Hebrews 10 verse 26 says, For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there's no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. That word willfully is the hinge point of this section of scripture. The only way that the sacrifice of Christ stops being effectual in our lives is if we willfully sin. We look at the definition of sin. When we look at the definition of sin, what's it mean to miss the mark? If I willfully sin, guess what? I'm not trying to hit the mark anymore. I'm not trying to hit... If Christ is the mark, which he is, he's, he's the benchmark. He's, he's what we keep our eyes fixed on. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. He is the joy that's set before us. When we keep our eyes on him, he becomes the target. He becomes the point we're trying to hit. If you willfully sin, guess what? You're no longer aiming for Christ. You're willfully aiming away from Christ. Now it becomes a, goes back to a matter of, of what Eve did, which was to willfully, and Adam, Adam also, to go willfully against the benchmark, to go willfully against the target, and to aim for something different. Why? Because of a selfish desire. You know, when we look at Adam and Eve, we'll go back to this briefly. You know, Eve was deceived and Eve sinned and Eve messed up. And we know that. But Adam heard it directly from God. Eve heard the command from Adam, but Adam received the command not to eat of the tree from God. What happened? Eve's voice became louder than God's voice in Adam's ears. That's where Adam missed the mark. Guys, that's why we have to stay so focused on the gospel because the gospel is what will keep God as the loudest voice we see. It'll be what keeps him as the focus of our attention. Guys, it, when we see things different, we'll be different. When we hear, and what we hear has to go through the filter of Christ, all of a sudden our thinking will be transformed and sin no longer holds anything over us. That's what this talks about. Their sins are lawless deeds. I will remember no more. God's not holding them against you. Where there's a remission of sins, there's no longer a need for an offering. 
Christ is the offering once and for all. Unless you willfully sin, which means you quit trying to be Christ-like and you start trying to be human-like. Really, I mean, that's what it comes down to, right? It's a matter of wanting to be human-like. It's, it's a matter of wanting to be uh, willfully prideful and selfish. That's really, I mean, when you look at sin, sin in every case will always go back to selfishness. But the stronghold, the strength of sin goes back to pride and trying to cover it up and trying to make it okay. Um, all right, let's go to one more section of scripture here. I hope this is helping you guys. I, like I said, I don't usually talk about sin a great deal, but I, I really just felt this week this has been like something that's been like on me and, and, I, and I had to get this out uh, today. Um, I want to go to James five and, uh, familiar scripture, verse 14, and we're going to start reading there. Uh, we're going to read, uh, 14, 15 and 16 it says, is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. I want you to understand something. We're talking about sickness and sin in the same conversation. With what? It's basically, it comes down to also a two-part solution. Uh, the problem is two-part. The solution's two-part, and yet they're intermingled almost one and the same in this section of verse but we're talking about sickness now like if we would look at the amplified bible here um it would say spiritually sick and yet this word for sickness here it's the word we use for physically sick also but what it really means when you when you look at it in the greek what it really means is to be weak or feeble in other words, it means being broken down. It means uh, not being whole. It means being fragmented. The answer to being sick, the answer to sin is in what? It's in the open confession and prayer. There's an answer in the language of an open confession of our sins. Weakness, our sickness, our sin, when we miss the mark. Where we're fragmented, where we're damaged at, where where we haven't gotten it all together at, is made whole. It's healed. That word healed there means made whole. It's made whole. It's healed in our confessions. Why? Because when we are open, when we openly disclose our struggles, sin loses all its power. When we... When we speak out and openly lay bare where we've missed the mark, sin loses all its power. We are, in effect, cursing the fig leaves the same way Jesus did. We're saying, you'll never bear fruit in my life again. When we curse, a fig tree, when we curse the fig tree, we're saying, look, this is where I've missed the mark. I shouldn't have done it. 
I'm sorry, I moved. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna keep walking down that path. No, I understand. I missed the mark. My focus is going back on Christ Jesus. I'm keeping my eyes fixed on you now, and I'm not gonna keep on going down that road that I was on. I'm turning from that way to you to follow you, the way, the truth, the life. That's what I'm doing now. When we do that, we have just disarmed sin, and we have now taken on. Not that human nature, not that part that was part of sin, that was part of the curse, that was part of failing and falling short. But no, we've moved into what? The Christ nature, right? The perfected spirit seated in heavenly places with Christ with a perspective where we see the way heaven sees us. It's when people try to cover up sin that it gets strength. I want you to think about it this way. When we cover up sin, right? I want to, I think about planting, planting a seed. Maybe we plant an acorn, right? Or a walnut. We, we plant, we plant a seed of a tree in the ground. That's what covering sin is like. It's like covering the seed of a tree, right? We think we've covered it up. Maybe it lays dormant. Maybe it's okay for a little while, maybe a year, maybe two years, maybe four years. Maybe it lays dormant. All of a sudden it springs up. Before you know it, it's fast growing. And all of a sudden, what was covered becomes what? A stronghold. When man tries to cover sin on his own, apart from Christ, to keep it from Christ. Okay? When he's hiding in the garden covered in fig leaves. He's planting tomorrow's stronghold. He's pouring the foundation on tomorrow's strongholds in that act. When we confess our sins and put it under the blood, it's buried with Jesus, which means that it gets erased and replaced. And what comes out of the burial with Jesus is not the old unrecognizable man. When you think about the Jesus that they buried in the tomb, it said that, that his face was unrecognizable, that he was almost unrecognizable as a man. If you've ever seen the, 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 the graphics and the, and the depictions of what Jesus would have looked like um, post-crucifixion, he was unrecognizable, just like raw meat ribbons disemboweled. I mean, very, very graphic in nature. Um, and yet when they buried him and he was raised up, it wasn't that unrecognizable man that came back out. It also was not the man who had walked the earth prior to taking our sins on on the cross. It was a glorified man. When we're co-crucified with Christ, we go down in the ground. Our sins go with us, even daily, right? As we die to ourselves daily, as we, if we mess up, if we sin, if, if we do, God's not counting it against us, but we put it down in the ground, right? Who's walking out? It's not the man that was buried. It's not the sum of our sins. It's not, it's not a person defined by every time they've missed the mark. It's a new creation. He's not even recognizable by what he was before he ever messed up. No, he's new and glorified. If you look, if you look at, at John, right? John at the Last Supper. And, and John is, is laying back on the chest of Jesus. 
and he's peering up at him, right? And John was the disciple that Jesus loved. He knew Jesus' face. But John, when he saw Jesus in the book of Revelation, guess what? Jesus had to reveal himself to him. He looked totally different, right? How does he get, how does he get described? With, with white hair, right? Eyes like fire, feet like burnished bronze. He, he's a totally different glorified image. That, that is you and I. When you look at Romans 8, it said that we have been justified and we have been glorified. They're both past tense. You've been justified and made right in God's sight, and you have been glorified. And if you're sitting there right now hearing this and you're saying, but brother, I don't feel very glorified. I don't feel very justified. I want to challenge you right now to put your feelings away. Can I tell you something? Your feelings are the biggest liars you will ever run into. Your feelings want to, they're part of the fallen man. Your feelings are trying to take you out. That's why Jeremiah said the heart, the heart is deceitful. The heart is treacherous. Who can know it? This thing is dangerous. If you let your feelings run your day-to-day life, it's going to run you into the ground. It's going to run you into a tree. It's going to run you off to the mark. You will continue to sin by faith. When you keep your eyes focused on truth, on what Jesus says about you, on what his mind is for you, now all of a sudden you will start being Christian. You will start being Christ-like by faith. If you focus on sin, you will sin by faith. If you focus on Christ, you will be like Christ by faith. It's really important, guys. It's really, really important to get a hold of this. 2 Corinthians 12.10. I'm going to close out on this. Paul there is speaking. He says, when I'm weak, I am made strong. When I'm weak, I'm made strong. When we confess our sins, when we confess and lay bare that weakness, that that place where we're fragmented, where we might be damaged, where we're afraid, where we're stressed, where we're pressed. Come on, guys. We know this stuff. We've been through it every day. Every day we go through it and we're up against it. When we when we're those places where we're weak and feeble and we lay it out there, maybe it's a need. Maybe it's not even a sin. Can I tell you something, though? If there's a place in your life where you need strength, lay it out there. Lay it out to your brothers and sisters. There, anytime we're trying to cover up, maybe it's a need. Maybe it's, come on. I mean, I'm here in America. I'm not sure. You know, we might have people internationally that are listening. But like here in America, there's very much a keeping up with the Joneses kind of mentality. You don't want to miss out on on doing, um, you know, this event, that conference, uh, being able to go out to dinner with people. Um, you know, you want to present yourself in a certain way when you go to church, um, you know, even in the neighborhood, right? Everybody else has a new car sitting out in their driveway. You want to make sure you've got a new car. All of a sudden, we're trying to keep up the appearances. Can I tell you guys something? It's okay with showing your weakness. It's okay with showing your weakness. If you knew, I'm talking to somebody right now, I really feel this. Uh, there's grace on this right now. I don't know who it is that's, that's hearing this right now. But if your focus has been on keeping up an appearance for the sake of your neighbors, can I tell you something? They would be so envious of what you have inside your home, despite what's parked in their driveway. 
I really, I, I really, I, I feel that's so strong for somebody right now. You've been worried about what other people are thinking about what you have. And those same people that you're worried about what they think, they are insanely jealous of your family life. They are insanely envious of what you have. Can I, I, I want to challenge somebody right now. I want to challenge somebody right now who's listening to this. If that's you, it, it, and, and you will know if this is you. And there's somebody that you've been thinking, man, I just wish that I had some of what they had. I dare, I, I'm not going to dare you, but, but that's, that's in my heart, okay? I want you to hear me right right now. I would challenge you to share the gospel with them. Let your light shine before them. I'm not telling you to go. I'm not telling you you've got to go preach a sermon. But they want what you have in your family, and they don't know why you have peace in your home when they don't. You might want to know how they have a new truck in their driveway or or a new sports car or whatever. I'm not sure about what it is, but. They want what you have, and you are the only one who will be able to release this to them. Uh, there, there's something to that right there. So I'm just going to challenge, if that's you, and, and you know if it's you, if there's somebody in your neighborhood, you've been, you've been, man, I would just wish that I had what they had. Go show them what you have. Go be Jesus. Go be the hands and feet of Jesus. Go shine before men. I'm not telling you to preach. I'm, I'm telling you to go love. I'm telling you to go love well and show them what's different in your home from their home. You don't have to do it in a look at what I got and, and you don't have this kind of peace. You don't have this kind of marriage. You don't have these kind of kids. No, but just go and put it on display. And believe me, whether, whether you lead them to Christ or not, your life lived will preach volumes. Your life lived is preaching volumes and it's all to glorify God. Guys, uh, I mean, I'm like, I'm kind of off topic here, but I, it's okay. I feel like there's grace for it here. Your call is not to be alive to survive. Your call is to be alive to glorify the Father. Your call is to glorify Him. Put that life on display. Don't allow yourself to be open and vulnerable. You know, when we read Matthew 7, right, and I know a lot of people talk about Matthew 7. Jesus said, depart from me, I never knew you. And that word knew there, it's, it's the Greek word gnosko. And that word has everything to do with intimacy, like how a husband and wife are intimate. But it goes even further than that. It, it has to do with being exposed to one another. It has to do with him knowing your heart, of you not holding anything back, of there not being any dark corners. There's a place where we have got to just lay it bare so, it, so nothing can hold anything on us. Every chain is broken in the light of Christ. Whether it's depression, anxiety, addiction, regret, worry, fear, torment, whatever it may be. It all goes away in the light of Christ. And the only thing we have to do to allow that light in 
is to be really, really vulnerable and open about it. Um, I'm going to close there for today. But listen, if uh, if you're listening to this, I just hope this is blessing you. I'm going to I'm going to close out um, in prayer, which is a little different than what I usually do, um, but I, but I'm going to do it because I, I really feel like there's there's somebody here. Who, who needs this breakthrough, they need this revelation that it's okay that you don't have everything because you do have everything in Christ. What, what, what you are seeing the world calls everything is nothing compared to what you have in Christ. So Heavenly Father, right now, Lord, I just pray that, that this message would just touch lives, that it would, that it would reach hearts, that it would transform, that we would allow you to transform us through your word. Lord, I just pray that right now, even as we're looking at ourselves and how we evaluate ourselves, that we'd stop evaluating ourselves as flesh and we would start evaluating ourselves the way you evaluate us. That you you would see ourselves for our created purpose, maybe not the purpose we've been living in up till now, maybe not the value we lived at 10 years ago or five years ago, but that there's a value that we can live at in which regardless of what we have in our bank account, what, what we have parked in our driveway, whether or not we have a driveway, that you see a value in us that surpasses anything the world could give us. Lord, and I just pray right now that freedom would just begin to fall over that mindset. Lord, that we would be freed from the bondage of trying to keep up with people, Lord. That we would be freed from from the necessity of trying to have it look like we have it all together. Lord, that it would be okay because your strength would be shown in our weakness. Lord, that you would be glorified and magnified by, by that. Lord, and so we just pray right now in the name of Jesus, Lord, to just release that healing, to release that over your people, Lord, that wholeness, would touch where we've been fragmented and damaged before right now in Jesus name. Lord, I just pray that now guys, I hope this has been a blessing to you. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope I didn't bore anybody on this, uh, on this live space or whatever we call this thing. But, uh, but I, like I said, I just felt the need to do it today. And so, uh, until we talk again, be blessed.